Hey everybody, it's Brad Williams and Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by White Cloud e-cigarettes. We're not saying you should start smoking, but if you already do, awesome. And if you've ever wanted to try an e-cigarette, these are the ones to go with. White Cloud e-cigarettes offers over 20 flavors. That's almost as many as Baskin-Robbins. 20 flavors and 6 nicotine strengths. It's cheaper than other e-cigarettes that you'll see at convenience stores and with much more variety. White Cloud e-cigarettes sponsors comedians they've been doing it for over two years now they've also sponsored uh comedy festivals like the boston comedy festival and the orlando indie comedy festival if you've ever been curious about trying an e-cigarette i have well the fling is the low cost no commitment way to do so and the fling offers same day ups shipping on orders before 6 p.m eastern but is there a website? Customers can go to WCESigs.com. That's WCESigs.com. But we want to make sure our listeners get them for cheap. So is there a coupon code? To get 25% off of the order, use the coupon code ALN Podcast. That's ALN Podcast at WCESigs.com to get your White Cloud e cigarettes today. And now enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night Podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Huh? I hope. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's Adam Ray and Brad Williams for the About Last Night podcast. Hey, and I'm actually here for an intro. Hey, thanks for showing up. Oh, who knew? <laughs> you. Well, I mean, we're sharing a hotel room in Omaha. Yeah, we're also, you have to understand, the microphone in which we're recording on, uh, it's just one singular mic that I use to do my... Uh, Hyundai Sonata commercials from the road. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I can't turn it off. Everywhere I go, I'm like, I'd like a large Caesar salad with a side of fries. It's really annoying. (laughs) (laughs) But we have to be very close to this mic, so uh, this is about as close as Brad and I's faces will ever get. Uh, uh, unless, and, and, yeah, unless you watch the YouTube video of us doing the "What Does the Fox Say?" <laughs> oh, yeah, that was that. That, that was, was pretty close. close. Yeah. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, Mr. Adam, I got kind of lost in your eyes right there. I know. Well, hey, you. I mean, you won't be. You won't be the first dwarf to say that to me. Uh, <laughs> I, I need way more details once we shut that microphone off. <laughs> You're never gonna hear. Uh, I was sworn to secrecy. Uh, today's episode is uh, really incredible. We, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, definitely consider this guy uh, one of the juggernauts. Uh, in the stand-up comedy world, yeah. um, he's uh, opened a lot of doors for a lot of uh, comics. He's helped a lot of comics. He's, um, uh, you know, been at the top uh, where very few have been, and he's also helped our own Brad Williams out more than uh, than I than I realized as we got to find out. And I'm talking about. Carlos Mencia. Yeah. That's right. And uh, uh, many of you know that I was Mencia's opening act for four years, went, went on the road with him. Uh, pretty much pulled me from, I, I literally pulled me out of from a audience. toy shop. Yeah, yeah, and uh, wound me up. Uh, found the right, D, <laughs> found the right D batteries, and just uh, put put me in the right direction. Uh, no, I I was not a comedian, and as you'll hear, Mencia literally plucked me from the audience and uh, started me on my road to stand up. Uh, so I I owe a lot to the guy, and it's uh, it's uh, fascinating to hear his stories, his uh, philosophies on stand up, and how he, he can really break down jokes into math. I understand that a lot of you guys will listen to this podcast and have your opinions on Carlos uh, based on what you read on the internet or, uh, or, what, or what you think. And listen, I can't change those, but I can just tell you to please listen to this podcast and with an open mind. Yeah, with an open mind and just hear what he has to say because it's, fa- it's fascinating stuff and we do get into that a, a, a little bit. We talk about 
um, his uh, reputation and how other comics may not have the most favorable opinions of him. Yeah, but he talks really, and what was uh, great about that is that he uh, he values both sides. He goes, I understand why people think what they think, and I am not uh, shitting on that, and I also acknowledge what I did to maybe uh, contribute to that way of thinking. And because uh, it's always a two way street, and and uh, you know, like you said, like hearing his process, uh, because you can't, you know, I don't know, man, you can't be n- that type of label. The shit that got slapped on him for me to see someone still have a loyal fan base, to still crush, to still come up with new material, to still be working the way he does, uh, it just doesn't make sense to me to to have you know the allegations that were thrown at him be sure. be factual, and, and and whether they are or not. Uh, it's not something I went to this podcast uh, considering. I wanted to learn about a person that I, uh, you know, am a fan of and uh, respect. And hey, man, anyone who does stand up for twenty plus years and has a career that he's had and has gotten to have your own show and has helped out a buddy of mine. And as I said in the podcast, is the reason this podcast exists is because he started Brad on a on the path to uh, to comedy and uh, and uh, just a really into. Uh, intelligent uh, human being and that's always makes makes for a good podcast and the stories he told and and like Brad said the way he, he constructs and 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 you know looks at the way he crafts his jokes uh, and then some great road stories with Brad Brad crying over <laughs> girls in the tour buses oh god yeah. I thought see I thought those stories were over I I, I thought no. that they just lived in the past but no yeah, if you cry on a tour bus it's not going anywhere yeah please uh, listen to this podcast while the theme song to the Wonder Years is playing in the background <laughs> what would you do Oh, uh, of course, follow uh, uh, Carlos Mencia on Twitter at Carlos Mencia. Mm-hmm. Follow Brad on Twitter at Funny Brad. Follow me right. on Twitter at Adam Ray Comedy. Uh, Mencia's touring all the time, so check out his tour dates at carlosmencia.com. And uh, of course, follow me uh, for my tour dates at adamraytv.com. Uh, I will be at the La Jolla Comedy Store April 10th and 11th in San Diego, California. Come out. To those shows, get your tickets at ComedyStore.com. Uh, and of course, before that, uh, next weekend, I'm going to be at the Shrine Auditorium next to Brad and I's alma mater, USC, uh, for right. the April Foolishness show. Woo-hoo! If you haven't gotten your tickets, you're fucked, because that show sold out in like 15 minutes. Stub up. Yeah, it was like Tickle Me Elmo <laughs> of comedy shows. <laughs> and uh, uh, the lineup is is uh, Gabriel Glacius. Uh, Wait, what? Let me say, wow, you you uh you uh said that like you said that like you were from Spain. Get uh G- Gabriel Gle- uh, Gabriel Glacier <laughs> is going to come serve us tapas with with Pau Gasol. And if you ask him to sign an autograph for you, ask him to do it with un lapis. Uh, Gabriel Glacius, Adam Ray, Brad Williams, Eliza Schlesinger, Ralphie Ralph- May. Uh, Jay Moore. Jay Moore. And, and closing, yeah. Tenacious D. The D. I mean, that's, I can't even believe. Uh, I mean, all those guys I can't believe I'm, this, I'm on the same lineup with. And But Tenacious, it's like, you know, that's. It's going to be an incredible night. Uh, we will 100% do a wrap-up podcast yeah. from there. So, uh, you, so you will hear it. And more than likely, come up with the, the start establishing some relationships and have many of those comics on this podcast. Yeah, if we can get the D on, that'd be incredible. Well, I mean, we know how you love the D. I do love the D. And, um, <laughs> Someone please isolate that audio. <laughs> no, fuck you, I'm talking about Delta Burke. She was great on Designing Women. Fuck you. I respect women sitcoms. Yeah. Uh, uh, come out and see me, Hartford, Connecticut, March 26th through the 29th. I'll be at the Funny Bone there at the aforementioned April Foolishness, the Shrine Auditorium, April 4th. Uh, Seattle, 
Adam Ray's hometown. Yeah. April 9th. I'm coming for one night only. That's Go see him. One night only at the Downtown Parlor Club. And then Fort Worth, Texas, April 16th through the 18th. I'll be at Hyenas. And while you're in Texas, visit your local Dallas Hyundai dealer oh, and pick up a Hyundai up. Sonata. God damn it. Uh, that's <laughs> He does this all the time. Uh, and, of course, uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, give it a five-star rating. Comment on the podcast page. Uh, tell your friends. Tell them to go to aboutlastnightpodcast.com. Tell them to go to astoymerchandise.com and pick up an ABL and T-shirt. We've got mugs and new shirts coming in the next week or so. Right. And I think these are going to be the game changers. Uh, I mean, you know, if, if you enjoyed the movie Titanic, and who didn't? Yeah. Uh, you may you, you may love a certain photograph that me and my life partner have posted. Over here. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's pretty damn It got more likes out of anything I think I've posted. Any <laughs> joke, any video clip, any photo of my adorable nieces. This, this was the one. Um, so get all that. Come see us live. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Those are the tour dates. Those are the Twitter handles. That's all the merch info. And now, this intro coming to you live from the Hilton Garden Inn in Omaha. Nebraska, where Brad and I are doing this podcast intro from, sit back and enjoy a very special, hilarious, and informative episode of the About Last Night podcast with Carlos Mencia. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a Jew, so why don't you sit down and listen to our no podcast? First of all, I just want to say, I haven't been out this way since Brad uh, brought me to my first live porn shoot. (laughs) And of course that makes sense, because as you and I both know, being friends with Brad, uh, one of the first things that happens when you become friends, he goes, you know I know porn stars, right? (laughs) I never never got to uh, be part of that. (laughs) Oh, man. He even even brought it to me. I was on my way to a Passover Seder at my aunt's house, because she lives out here. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, well, it's on the way. That's the only reason I went. (laughs) Right. I mean, that, that's exactly what you want to do before we go into a Passover Seder. Is just be it like gave a, me a great like story in case conversation <laughs> became stale at the table, which it does. And, uh, and, and and like one of your childhood family members just like tries to give you a high five. You're like, maybe not that hand. Yeah. Well, my aunt did immediately. <laughs> Dude, Brad just... was a virgin when I met him. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh yeah. He was a virgin. Yeah. Brad not only was a virgin, <laughs> but when I met Brad, he and I and I I didn't even really even want to cater to this stupid conversation that he wanted to have with me that he would never have sex or be in a relationship with a non-little person that's that's who brad was when i met him <laughs> so yeah this wow. is this brad is williams complete, this is your life yeah, yeah. exactly this we're, we're going through a complete flashback wow. right now Wait, yeah so you he said i don't want to have sex with little people well, well no i not only with little oh, people. i said only little people Jesus, because really? yeah. I was in a how relationship. I, I know, right? How dare I? I'm offended on behalf of all <laughs> well, give grown th- adults. Well, give thanks to this guy. Oh, you turned him on to... to uh, no, I, I just know that it, it would people. happen. It's just inevitable. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. It was it was one of those things where it's like, he, you know, and now he, he was very enough. secure in his cocoon of life and, you know what I mean? Which, by the way, that's what Brad does call his bed. Yeah, yeah. surrounded cocoon, by yeah. nothing but <laughs> safety and happy thoughts. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then... He only did midget jokes at the time. Yeah. Even when I told him, dude, you could do jokes about relationships. He was like, I don't know, man. 
People just see me as a midget. All right, whatever. You know, you wow. just, it's one of those things where you really you were, know that it's going to grow. You yeah. just kind of, yeah, you mentor these kids. No pun intended. But the, uh, <laughs> I think it's pretty, because I know how uh, much you've influenced them, but that's, I didn't know the details of it. I mean, for you really, how much when you saw him when you guys first met did you, and then also how does this go for you with just any young comic? Do you feel uh, the desire to, you know, embark wisdom on them. Yeah, the the, the I am because it's free service from a professional. That's like yeah, but what happens is uh, here's how it works. I find some young comic, you know, at a comedy club somewhere that I think is funny, preferably a virgin. Doesn't matter. <laughs> that, that that that's like irrelevant. But I mean, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. you know, bring me the blood of the virgin comedians. <laughs> it was different for him because I didn't meet him, you know, as a comedian. I, I just met him as a as a patron. Yeah, you yeah. know the story, yeah. right? Uh, I haven't. I've heard it in tidbits. So if you guys want to tell it to me, it's I'd... really quick. Okay. St- I was at, yeah. we were at the Bray Improv, yeah. Bray and Improv. Uh, I was doing midget jokes, and literally half the audience is laughing. And after Only about half. two punchlines, literally half the audience is laughing. And usually, it's and crushes. I don't mean like ha- half of the audience mixed. I mean one side. One side of the room <laughs> is laughing, and the other is not. And this is not how it usually goes, or. No, no, no. God, no. I don't, I don't, I, fuck, dude. If if I ever told jokes more than once on stage that only got 50% yeah. laughs, I, I would fucking stop of. doing comedy. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's, m- m- listen, every bit that I write either gets an applause break or it doesn't end up in my act. It's that simple. Awesome. I mean, you know, the, the, the scrutiny that needs to be gone through in order for it to end up in my act is just ridiculous yeah, so, for me so 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 to have half the crowd laughing that's something that you would obviously know Correct. because and you would obviously notice because this is not normal no it's and not. Is, is your first thought all right well after tonight no 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 my first immediate thought was like okay is there a fucking midget over here on the side of the room that's that's immediate like i just was it was that's literally what i said and I look, and I just see two little tiny arms <laughs> waving kind of above everybody else, but not really. Yeah. So I was like, mm, get over here. Yeah. Get and, over here, little man. And out to me, I was there with my dad. I was there. I took him to see uh, Carlos for a Father's Day present because nice. uh, he kind of shares the same mentality. Yep. And, uh, yeah, then all of a sudden he's doing these midget jokes. I, by, by the way, I was the only one on that side laughing. Like, it was very... Audible. You just hear, ah! And it's, no. and it's, and it's right. just me. <laughs> right. No, was, was this your first time hearing a professional comedian like make fun of, of little people? This is my first time at a stand-up comedy show. Oh, so you had no idea that this could even be tackled as a... Didn't know this was a... Like, I knew it was a profession, but didn't know... Didn't know the logistics right. of it. Didn't know okay. how a show even worked. So, yeah. And then um, Encia calls me up on stage... And so you just said, fuck it, all right, yeah. whoever, you, like, you're causing this How do you not to be split. <laughs> I'm fearless on stage, bro. Off stage, like, it's really funny. We just, uh, we just did this, uh, this show for the Travel Channel, and we were recording, and they were like, hey, just walk up to people and see what happens. And I was like, that, that's not who I am, bro. I, I will never be that comic who goes on the street and just accosts people and talks to them and tries to get... I can't do that. If you don't know that I'm a comedian, then you don't know that what I'm saying is just intended to be a joke. Yeah. Like, I, I don't like pulling pranks on people who believe shit and then mm-hmm. that's funny. That's just not me. So, but when you come to my show, you got to know that it's, I mean, 
I've never hidden my comedy. From my first special till now, they've all been fucking relentless and just fearless. Yeah. So I'm doing midget jokes, and half the audience is laughing. And I say, is there one there? And he's there. i got to bring him on stage. Yeah. It was just immediate. It wasn't even like a question. It was just like, get up here, bro. We got we to gotta get. We gotta fix this before we can move on. <laughs> we got to address this little fucking issue right now That's and then awesome. move on. And I didn't know if he was laughing or not. I didn't know that he was the one. All yeah. I knew is that when he said he was there, he was okay with the attention. You know what I mean? Totally. So then I bring him up on stage, and I ask him where he works, and he says Disneyland, and I can't stop fucking laughing. <laughs> the audience, too. Yeah. At this point, they're good. They're like, all right, this No, I think we, I found it. I, I have it recorded, so we can actually do it. But if I'm not mistaken, the audience was kind of like, wait, is this? What, they thought what it was the a plant. Is, are you planted? Yeah, or like, wait a minute. And then- when, when he said that, I think the audience was like, "This is too perfect. Yeah, this right. no fuck no." They, yeah. But I, I I couldn't believe that. And then he told me that he was a bodyguard for Mickey and <laughs> and why and all this stuff. Only and because Santa fired him, like yeah. he just like kept saying, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it it just keeps going. Yeah, man. It, it just it was it was it was awesome. And then uh, so we did a little thing, and then he he told me that he danced hip hop, so we played some hip hop music, and he did this. Oh god! The, the one thing I'll never forget is when you did the inchworm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the worm is like this. The interim is literally him like turning into a ball really, really slowly and then expanding really slowly. It looked like when I was a kid, um, there was this there was this like either you had a big wheel if you had money. But if you didn't, mm-hmm. there was this ghetto thing that was kind of like a big worm and the hump was in the middle. Oh, with and the two wheels. Yeah. Totally and you remember. would go up and down yeah. and it would actually yeah. make it go. That's what he did. But really fucking slow. How and it was hysterical. Name Ghetto Big Wheel after that. Oh man! Uh, so the Big Wheel—that's pretty solid. So the crowd goes crazy because he. Yeah, uh, the crowd goes nuts, and then you know, once we established that relationship, he did that. He goes back on stage, and I did my act. And uh, a year later, uh, I'm at the uh, Improv in Ontario, mm-hmm. and uh, he shows up, and. It was awesome, and he told me that he'd been doing stand-up, that he's doing amateur nights and all this stuff, and I was like, cool, that's awesome. I was, yeah, because I, I had started after that night. I had never done comedy before. What about that night made you want to do it? Just being up on stage, having a sold-out audience. Just That was your laugh. first taste of any sort of, yeah. well, you've done performing plays and stuff. Yeah, but this plays was... and improv in high school, but not the direct of something I said in a moment, in a reaction, made a room full of people who were there, their laugh immediately give me that feedback. And then you guys were having conversations, so you were getting actual laughs from just stuff you were saying. Yeah, with no pressure, though. You have to understand it was a perfect, yeah. a perfect scenario for a young comic to, to, to step way. into. Yeah. Because the pressure's on me. There's no pressure on him. He's just there to answer questions and do whatever it is that happened in in that show. And so he just kind of embraced all that energy and and let it flow without it it being any negativity whatsoever. There was nothing about that situation that was bad. Right. It's not doing your typical open mic where there's just a room of eight other comedians. They're all like, well, we can't laugh at him because if we do, then he'll get called up. And you weren't trying to be funny either, were you? No, like I I wasn't trying. There there were laughs, but they were based on real truth, which, by the way, I can't imagine isn't even more just uh, impactful in the sense that if you think about it from this perspective, most comics, when we first start doing stand-up, we're either doing a, a version of whoever we think is the funniest guy. You know what I mean? Like 
whoever that is, yep. it, it's it, it's it, you know Eddie Murphy's for, when he first he was doing Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor was doing you know every comic, whoever they look up to, they are. They're doing like a version of that. Yeah, when you first they, start, because that's what you know. It's yeah, it's kind of like know. every kid on the on, out there who wants to be like Mike or who wants to be like LeBron or who wants to. They're out there doing that first until they become something of their own. He didn't have to do that. He literally got laughs the first time on stage about something that he said that wasn't made up, that wasn't a, necessarily a joke. Joke. Yeah. That wasn't written like a joke. It was no. literally, I'm little, and yeah, you're not going to believe this, but I am a bodyguard for Mickey Mouse. Laugh. And the audience just goes crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I cannot imagine that that wasn't just so intoxicating on so many levels. It was. Because he got to do it in front of an audience that was awesome, in front of an audience that was acceptance. It was sold out. And the energy the guy, was amazing. And, 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 and with you, who. Right. You were my favorite comic. Right. I, 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 I'd seen your Comedy Central Presents special. Right. And was just like, I love this guy. I right. love this voice. This, this is a special that came out right after 9-11. Right. And I was just like, this is the dude. And wow. then I get to see you. And then it's like, like well, how do you not start standing and you get to sh- And you yeah. get to share after that. Yeah. <laughs> Must so, have been awesome. Yeah. So, like, for for you, Adam, that would be like if you went to the key arena and then you got to shoot free throws with Deathless Shrimp. Wow. Like, how, okay. yeah. like you're an NBA player then. I mean, there's more, there's <laughs> more famous Sonics. I mean, Kemp would have been great. You know? uh, I'm going to go Deathless Shrimp. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Wow. They're, they're, I would have went with Kemp. Camp, and then you might be one of his kids because <laughs> yeah. he had like eight, like nine kids from yeah. like nine different women. A lot. Man. Yeah. There was a time I saw him at a movie theater in sixth grade. And I think we were seeing, I want to say Angels in the Outfield, but it was some sort of weird kids comedy. And the whole sixth grade, the whole, your whole class were his kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but look, we were, Kemp, uh, Kemp's kids are here. Oh, is that the name of a charity? No, it's just Kemp's yeah. kids. Yeah. Well, he walked in with, and he was the biggest dude I've ever seen in my entire life. You know, 6'10", still in amazing shape. And there's a tiny little white woman he's with. Yeah. And they sit in the back of the theater. And it was like in the middle of the afternoon on like a Sunday. So there was not a lot of people at the theater. And my buddy and I, the whole time, I can't remember what comedy it was, but every time something funny would happen, we'd turn around and be like, what does Sean Kemp think about that moment? <laughs> Do we have similar sensibilities? <laughs> and we look back like three or four times, and 20 minutes in, I'll never forget it, one time we turned back about 20 minutes in, and he's gone. And we already knew that there were all the accusations about multiple kids. So as sure. soon as he left... My buddy and I even looked at We were like, Dude, should we go try to find him and stop him from making another camp? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's number 10. Yeah. Come on, man. But again, we had to see how Rookie of the Year finished up. Well, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, so then it's like a year later, it's at the Ontario Improv. And this time I see you before the show. Right. And uh, you're like, hey, man, I've been doing stand up. I'm still a virgin. Like, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, but, you pretty know, much. So like, then, so then uh, Bert. Uh, my brother was like, "You should put him. You should put him on." Now, my immediate reaction, believe it or not, was, "You know what? He's a young comic. I'm sure he's never done a, as a stand-up a room like this." Yeah. And most people don't understand how fragile our egos are in the beginning. Oh yeah. And you give a young comic who's not ready an opportunity to shine, and they don't. It can really devastate their growth for a long time, no pun intended. Right. And I was afraid of that. I was afraid that, you know, because believe it or not, I never thought, even at that moment, I didn't look at Brad as a little person. Yep. I just saw him as a young comic yep. who was going to go up on stage and possibly eat shit yeah. <laughs> in front of a sold-out sold crowd. Yeah. Of course, go up there with all these, like, I'm going to kill and walk off with, like, 
Okay. You know that. I mean that. That literally. And believe it or not, think this in, in my head. I'm going. Okay. How long is it going to take this kid to get over bombing? When is he going to be in front of a crowd this big again with the opportunity to reverse what happened? Yeah. Because for months and months and months, maybe years, he's only going to be doing amateur nights. He's only going to be doing those kinds of shows. When is he going to be in this environment again in order to be able to make up in his head? I said, no, nah, I don't want to put this kid through that. You That's not cool. That your conscience Fuck of, no, yeah. man. Yeah. So I told Bert, I go, what if he bombs? And I swear to God, I'll never forget it. Bert looks at me and he goes... He's a midget. They're going to laugh. What the fuck are you thinking? And I went, all right, okay. That's what you think. He's like, he, he, dude, he, they're going to laugh. He's going to. And he, even he knew. He was like so far ahead of it because Bert's seen me perform and been around comedy forever and ever back in the day when I was doing stand-up. He was underage, and he went with me to work yeah. when I was working the door and doing stand-up. So he's seen every comic, every scenario you can imagine. And he was like, dude, he's going to go up there. He's going to do midget jokes. He's going to get laughs. He might not kill, but he's going to get laughs. Yeah. He's going to He's gonna be like it's gonna it's gonna help him grow help like him, you can't yeah. imagine. So I was like, all right, <laughs> and that's kind of what happened. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because that was the day, ironically as well, that something was born in me bringing comics back up on stage after shows because I I wouldn't do that as much any. I don't even know if I did that before that, but I I brought him up, I brought uh, Steve up, I brought uh, my my openers up, and then. Uh, this it just after you closed some, out your, your yeah. I said goodnight, and then yeah. I brought them up on stage so they could have fun, and then uh, it, it just turned into this thing, man. And then that's where the lap dance was born. That night, that night, the yeah. lap dance was born. What <laughs> a, a dance off was born. Do you have footage just, of this? Um, footage, uh, no, but uh, it's audio. recorded. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all recorded. I'll, yeah, because uh, the lap because that's become a you know there was so, there was it, it was a bachelorette party. Yeah, it was it was a bachelorette party. Uh, Ned asked Ned asked him to come up on stage. Well, yeah, I, I made fun, I basically made fun of make made fun of her because I was like, you know, your boyfriend right now is getting you know sat on by some hot chick with big tits. You know that, right? <laughs> and you're in this comedy club thinking this this is your last day, like this, the last day to even like to do anything. And I'm not saying you're gonna have sex, yeah. but just get close just to get it. You should have a dick okay. in your face yes, or something. Of course. <laughs> I was like, get the fuck up here, you know what I mean? And she got up on stage, and and I uh, I said, you know, and then uh, I said, you're gonna get a lap dance. I I I think Steve did the the lap dance first, right? Right, something like that. And they didn't think he would do it, and I didn't even ask him. Yeah. All I said was like, you'll never forget the day you got a lap dance from a midget, and the audience just goes ah. So then you had no choice. I'm like, well, yeah. step up. The people have spoken. Oh, I will tell you this, though. He's doing all these little dances, and then I remember leaning up to him going, just jump on top of her, like, because she was sitting down on a, yeah. on a chair. And I was like, just jump on her lap yeah. and hump her. And, and he can jump. And like, oh, when, dude. When Brad gets air. That's when the jump happened, bro. That's <laughs> Wait, when that little air. into the jump? No. No. Uh, he did that after. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cartwheel wasn't born yet. No, nah, it wasn't born. The cartwheel into it wasn't born yet. But it the was jump literally, was he just ran, jumped, boom, landed on her lap. <laughs> and then I always... took off his shirt. Then I took off his shirt. I remember yeah. that. Oh, yeah. You did do The that. audience went crazy. And by the way, that's an important part of that whole dance, the shirt coming off. Because once you stick the landing, yeah, uh, it's like it's people go nuts. But then it's like they're not expecting the shirt to come right. off. Someone well, that, all that, dude, the, all, all the all the pageantry of that joke <laughs> was probably born somewhere on tour with me. Unless there's something that he did after that that was different from the actual pageantry of it, the actual building of first do this, then do this, then do this, then do that. You know what I mean? It yeah, was because it was... I taught him how to build it like a joke. Right. 
you know, that time was the first time that we did it. But after that, so you're like, all right, now this is something. So you knew immediately you were like, this is something you should incorporate. At well, some no, point. no, he was. He, I mean, he was doing it with me. He was. He couldn't do it at that point on his own because right. yeah. there was nowhere for him to do it at right. amateur yeah. nights. Right. Yeah. I, I, so the only time he would do, do it so like when, when he gotcha. was opening for gotcha. me. But what I did was, I you know, I, I told him technically, look, every joke is built like this. But when they know where this is going, it's a different atmosphere. When everybody knows what you're going to do or they anticipate it, your job at this point is to build it then. Don't give it to them right away. You know what I mean? Just It's joke kind of, foreplay. It's, yeah. <laughs> so first, teaser a little bit. Teaser. Act sexy. And the audience will laugh. They'll be like, oh, then get close. But don't. And it, it got built to a point where that joke was just perfected to, to a point where yeah. – it it, w- it wouldn't matter where we did it or how it it was just it, That's it incredible was perfect it was and exact yeah yeah and but but it took a it, t- it took a minute to to get it that good and I remember after that yeah. a- after that show you said you said come back right so I came back the next night and then I think it was the next night where you said like what are you doing next weekend right and and so the next weekend you you were playing the Fox Theater in Bakersfield right and so. Here two weeks ago, I was doing open mics with maybe twenty people in the audience max, and now I'm doing the Fox Theater in Bakersfield, opening up for Mencia, which is twelve hundred. No, Jesus. it's like sixteen. Yes, sixteen. How much time people? would you? Two shows. You did two shows. Yeah, and just I, like 10, 15 minutes. Oh, what? him? Ten, fifteen? No, fuck no. no. I was doing like four. Yeah, okay. four or five. Yeah, because yeah, I yeah. was. Is that how you did it with your openers, or was it also because you just that's where he was at? Every opener, every opener is different. I I think what happens with me is like. Early in my career, because I came from the projects and I wanted to help people, I chose the projects a, a in, lot of in comics. Honduras? No, no, no. Here in, okay. in East LA, okay. uh, the Maravilla projects in East LA. I was trying to help people that were kind of broken, so to speak. You know what I mean? People that not only were funny, but that had something else to overcome, whether it was something personal, something. I was just trying to help. So people that in were that respect. in comedy. Yeah, all comedians, but trying to help them no, no more than just in comedy. Calligraphy <laughs> artists, or no, I, I I help some I help some DJs and stuff like that too. Yeah. But that mm-hmm. wasn't the case. The case was with stand up, especially early in my career. I just want I wanted to help not just any comic, but comics that maybe weren't given opportunities elsewhere. Yeah, like a little person. Yeah, you know, or or some Hispanic or whatever it was. Does that stem it was from something extra? Where you grew up, or was that just like people? People did that for you, and you were in turn. No. Tra- I don't know. I don't. Like, I didn't have a mentor like that. I, you know, ever, ever since I started doing comedy, I'd been kind of a loner, but not on purpose. It was more because I remember the first time I performed at the comedy store. Uh, as soon as I got off stage, um, somebody said to. The then at the time Hispanic comedian on the roster, oh that dude's gonna take your job, and he was talking about me. Yeah, and I remember thinking, what the fuck? I have I have nothing to do with that. Like that's yeah, nothing. So then all that. of a sudden, right. there was there was an antagonistic kind oh, of thing happening there, and so I immediately immediately just disengaged from that, and I never even paid attention to it. To to to. To a fault and a detriment at one at some point because like I not, didn't befriend anybody, shit. anybody. Yeah, you not on purpose. Yeah. I just it, it was I can't that I totally I can't understand. Live, I can't live in that environment, yeah. bro. I never have. I don't live in the negative. I don't live 
in in shitville i here's an example I, like i i wear this shirt because i'm a real madrid fan and when i do a people a lot of people from that are barcelona fans who is like the opposing team yell out negative stuff and say whatever and say that you know the team that i cheer for sucks i i don't i don't enjoy saying that other teams suck i i don't i don't like that i don't even I, know it's a part of sports and just the well, here here's the way I look at it. All right, if your team sucks and I beat your team, what joy do I get from yeah. being a team? You that beat sucked? the team, so that's what you just yeah, focus I beat on a the team joy. That sucked. Yeah. yeah, but it's not even it's not even an accomplishment. Is my point? I beat a team that sucked. That's what that's what you're supposed. But what, if, but what if it's like what, the rivalry between like the the Celtics and Lakers at one point, right? And it was like, I mean, and you. But the reason why it was a great rivalry is because they were both great teams, right? Okay, so but to, you, to you yell wrote, out that one sucks it yeah, is yes, yeah, they don't suck. It, they got to the stupid. finals. They're clearly not. It's stupid, and it diminishes what your team's accomplishment is. Totally. So I never, I never went to that place. So I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't smoke weed. I didn't do any of that stuff. I couldn't sit around and talk shit about Roseanne because she had a TV show. I couldn't sit around and talk shit and about her. And that's what whomever. was happening. In, I mean, it still happens. It's still what happens. Yeah, it's always, yeah. Come on now. Yeah. It's still what so happens. So you, you just wanted to just, uh, 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 orient yourself with any sort of negative energy no. because you were like, I nope. already realize how difficult this profession is and yep. I need everything. I just need to be focused for myself. There's that already people it. against you that you don't even that you haven't even met. So Never why even be met around? Him. Didn't even know who he was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tony Ray. Didn't even know Isn't who he was crazy? at the time. Just immediately <laughs> just like pegging and trying to suck you into a world of shit that you have nothing to do with. Well, Other but, than just you know right. being maybe a similar flavor, sure. But I mean, I'm, I'm sure that that it. Ha- I mean, look, I know that it happens for everybody else. You know, it, it was. I was watching a documentary the other day on the comics from Boston. Have you guys seen the oh, one? Oh yeah, uh, when stand up stood out, right? Yeah, and it was awesome, and everybody was happy, and yeah. everybody loved each other until, until Bobcat. And then Bobcat made it. One of them made it, and yeah. boom, it blew everybody else up. And then it was. It wasn't just Bobcat. It was. Uh, uh, God, what's his name? Um, Oh, God, the comedian, uh, the, the one tone, he tells a lot of... Oh, uh, Stephen Wright? Stephen yeah, Wright, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Stephen right. Wright went on, and he blew up, and then mm-hmm. it was just like, you know, Lenny Clark was like, why? And, you know, and, and it just became a completely different environment after that because they just, you know, didn't... didn't at that point, it was like, why not me? Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I didn't understand all of that shit. I didn't get that because ever since I started doing stand-up, all I've ever done is try to help young comics, you know, get to a better place. I you mean, brought so many just, on the road with you. Yeah, you're, yeah. and I found them like oh, no I shit. found him. Yeah, you're uh, Jay Moore likes to talk about comic uh, uh, comic uh, coaching trees like right. uh, like uh, Bill Belichick came from the Bill Parcells. Right. Coaching tree. Right. If you look at your coaching tree. Uh, these are the names that you brought on the road. It's uh, it's uh, David Tell, it's Joe Coy, it's Cristela Alonzo, it's myself, it's Bobby Lee, yeah. it's Freddie Soto, it's Pablo Francisco. Jesus, all these people right. came from your treat. Like Attell was East Coast, but you kind of you, you you said you brought him on the road for like he'd never really tours. done big theater stuff. And yeah. I, I and it was you know what and and Attell was one of those things. He wasn't on the he didn't we didn't do a, a buttload of shows together. It wasn't years with him, but mm-hmm. I wanted my fans, whom I had a decent fan base at the time, to to see a different style of comedy that I thought was hysterical yeah. that I enjoyed personally. Yeah. yeah. So that's and when was I different. brought him on the road. What, did you make a, uh, a conscious effort to also have whoever opened for you be different? No. Yeah. 
Didn't Because, you know, some people were like, it's got to be, if I'm a white dude, it's got to be a, a fat black dude or a chick no. or a, you no. know. There was only one comic that I couldn't bring on the road because it was literally, and I won't mention the name. You say her name, Rita Rudner. And you know what, Rudner? <laughs> yeah, Rita. You're still doing <laughs> pussy jokes, and it's yeah, time to grow up. It's, ti- it's, time to, it's time to stop using profanity. <laughs> it seriously is. You it's know what I mean? And, and fuck! <laughs> that's mine. That's mine. <laughs> it's... Uh, there's only one person, and it was uh, one of those things where somebody said to me, look, that kid kind of looks up to you, and it sounds like Carlos Light and then Carlos Mencia. Oh, shit, yeah. And that's a bad show. Yep. It's not. It's just a bad show. I, and there was nothing I could do I, because I didn't want him to change. Yep. This was who he was. Yep. And mm-hmm. so, you know, like there's somebody like that kind of uh, – yeah, Juan Villarreal, but the difference is he's so ghetto, <laughs> so ghetto yeah. that it doesn't matter. Yeah. But watching Juan sometimes, if you watch, if you watch my performances way back like in your the first mid two, 90s, like your first two HBO, and you watch Juan yeah. throughout his career, he still has <laughs> mannerisms and shit that that sound just exactly the way I did because <laughs> I was such a huge influence in his career. But but I enjoy that, and and I don't like. I, I I don't like throwing the names out there because I don't want to take responsibility for that. I I appreciate yeah, that, that I helped out, of course. But that but I think that does happen so rarely where people are that like uh, and I guess comics specifically that selfless to be like I, you know, because I know um, headliners that uh, just they don't want people that are stronger uh, than them in front of them or somebody they like. They want somebody so, you know, not. Uh, uh, it's not going to be a problem to follow, or no, that, I want, I want, right. the, I, yeah. dude, I want somebody to take it to try a, to blow you out of the water. The, yes, yeah. man, I want that. It That's makes exciting. You raise your game. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, I don't ever remember being afraid, but I, I love that. Yeah. You know, bring it. And it's awesome. I I remember when I first started open for you. You told me like, hey, just so just so you know, don't get too comfortable. You told me like, this, this is college. You're here for a little while. You're going right. to learn. And then you're going to go off on your own. Right. And so you installed that mentality in, in me. And you said, yeah, do whatever you need to do. Kill. Right. Fucking destroy. Like, you had Joe Coy on the Punisher, Punisher tour, tour. And that was coming off his Tonight Show set where he got a standing ovation. And I think, like, maybe one of the first standing ovations since you got one. Right. And so that, that set is literally flawless and perfect. And then you put him on before me on that tour. And I'm about... Three years in, I bombed so many nights on that tour. Wow. Yeah, but it made me better because you, I because I had to follow Joe. Of course. Do you say anything to him after that type of stuff happens, or do you just go let him sit in that feeling? No, and go, I you'll, always you'll talk learn to these that. guys. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I I always always talk to these guys. Probably, I talk to these guys so much that they forget who I am. And I impart yeah. so much knowledge to these guys, and I share so much with them on that level that they're. There are points in time where they forget. Like, the, here's the pattern with comedians. I'll go to some comedy club somewhere, and some comedian will say, uh, hey, I, I want to go. You know, is it cool if I do a guest spot? You know, and mm-hmm. I'll say, yeah, man, as long as the managers from this club are okay with it, cool. Because before, a couple of times I let comics on, and then they got banned from the club for a year. Oh, shit. Because they asked me. Oh, instead of asking a manager, right. and the manager was like, "What the fuck are you doing? Don't, don't go up to him." Go, yeah, exactly. Now, do you shit. think there is a fine line between though, like it's your show, your weekend, your it's your name, so you should have final say, or do you think you have to also give a little leverage to the club and go, "All right, it's we're in their house," but I don't even care about like, dude, my ego doesn't get involved in that kind of shit. Yeah. For me, it's just like it's about you. 
Go ask the manager for you, not for me. I don't care. Yeah. I, I, your appearance on my show is not going to make my show ridiculously better or ridiculously yeah. worse. This is really just an opportunity for yeah. you to shine in this Unless you tonight. unless you were a bouncer for Mickey, I don't know how you're going to add. <laughs> but he, but even that, I mean, yeah. you know, without look, I, I would have got a standing ovation that night right. without right, right. any of that happening. Of it wouldn't have mattered. It's mm-hmm. just it, it, you know, my mentality is incorporate whatever's there. But I'm going to do my job no matter what. It it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it's irrelevant to me. I have I have a process upon which I know that my show is going to have a beginning, a middle, and a badass ending, and that's that's just how all shows yeah. are built. It uh, doesn't matter where. So I want to bring these guys on and so what happens is i bring them for about a year and for a year they're you know they're awesome no problem whatever you need everything's cool at around the year attitude starts at around the year it's when it's all of a sudden like do you want me to fucking you want me to pick up your bag and take it to your fucking room you know like it just it doesn't it just that little bit of attitude inside yeah. of them, like, I don't need to be fucking doing this, whatever that thing wow. outside of opening yeah. is. Or it's like, how come I can't do fucking 10 minutes? Well, because you're doing seven. Because that's what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, but but at first, it's it sucks because I don't know it. I just sense that weirdness, just a little tinge of like, what the fuck is going on? What's wrong? So it's me going, what's wrong with, what's his name? What's wrong? What's, wrong? what's her name? And you know what I mean? And then it just becomes, you know, this nasty festering shit where I got to get rid of them. And yeah, uh, and, and, it, it's and, made me change how I operate. And it, and it totally happened with me, too. It happens with every comic. Yeah. It, and it, 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 it's like what you were talking about where when we hang out and we play golf and then we uh, talk after the shows and we're, and we're going over sets. And there comes a point where, I mean, we're friendly, but then like the opener forgets like oh right this is my boss like yes i'm yep yes it's the world of i've been comedy. given an opportunity that's not you know right but not even just that just what 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 i do on stage okay here here's here's kind of what even if I, I i could get a standing ovation every single show every single night with these guys and they still after a year kind of forget that they still forget that that's where this advice is coming from yeah it's coming from a guy who no matter what has ever surrounded me, no matter what negativity, no matter how bad shit has gotten, no matter anything, I have still been always able to go on stage and rock a crowd. Like, doesn't matter, you know, what situation I've been put in. It's just, it's always been that way. And so that's where I come from with these guys, to try to help them get to that level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's it's purely because, you know, everybody needs to be given an opportunity to shine. If... If I think that they can, right, that's kind of where I go with it. Now, were you also there for the uh, origins of the Bobby Lee lap dance? Because I, Bobby, the same <laughs> way you have done for everyone we've mentioned, yeah. Bobby did that for me right. at the store, and I went out with him for Bobby years. got that from from me. And he, you know what's so crazy? Before I had even met you, he told me so many stories and referenced how good you were all the time, and because... You know, he would always tell me, he's like, you got it so good, man. And it's like, you know, and, and I'd like, you know, and, and just the way he would, you know, pay for me and just be so generous. And he would always reference how, you know, you were with him and, and the opportunities. And he's like, right. uh, because, you know, he didn't have to see me at the store, want to hang out, ask me to come on dates with him, like right. t- hook it up and and give me extra cash at the end of the show. I mean, right. um, 
but you know, when I started to uh, do shows with Brad, and I was like, "Oh, lap dance, Bobby!" Two completely different lap dances, right? Right. But were, I mean, was that uh... that was born? All oh, dude, lap dance, <laughs> lap dances at the end of shows like that were all born from <laughs> your tour. from me from yeah. my tour. Yeah, all of them were. Exactly. They, they all come from there. Yeah, and it's it, ironic how much shit was built <laughs> off of coming out on tour, and ironically, like for for some period of time, I was known as the opposite, which is fucking bizarre. <laughs> now, your style of like just crushing that hard. I mean, like you know, there hasn't been uh, uh, a show like you said where you just feel like you had. Did you go into stand up with that mentality of like I want to be? Because when you don't have your point of view and your style formed yet, I mean, was it the people you saw that you were like I want to crush like that, or are you just? From how you were funny growing up, it was just like you'd get belly laughs from telling insecu- stories. It was insecurity. It, w- it was funny because, but I always knew it. I would tell people, I, I will never bomb. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's because you think you're the shit? Um, no, it's the opposite. Because I know I can. I know that any given day I can go up on stage and eat shit. Because I know that I will never let that happen. Ever. And how long have you known me? Coming on 10 years now. All right. He's seen me perform for 10 years, thousands of shows, yeah. literally thousands of shows in front of five people, 20, 10,000, 5,000, 15,000. Yeah. Ask him if he's ever seen a shitty set. Yeah. Now, don't misunderstand me. I walk off stage 99% of the time saying, I fucked up. I could have done this. Right, that, right, that, right, that, right. It's, I've never had a perfect set. That I, I've had a couple of sets where I wouldn't change anything, but they weren't perfect. Of course, but uh, you, can you, yeah. you can ask him. You can ask him how many sets mo- I've had. The most impressive stuff that I would see was when I was as a monologue writer on on Mind of Mencia, and I would go with you to the comedy store, and we would go. To the, That's when I first and, met you, I think, too. Yeah, and then we would go to the original room, and there would be fifteen people in the audience. It was on a Monday or a Tuesday. Shitty crowd. Comics going up, just bombing, bombing. No, no one's getting laughs. And then you would go on, and you would get it, the audience of, of, of 15 right. into, like, an, an uproar. And then, you would, and, th- and then you would yell to me in the back of the room, Brad, how long did that take? Yeah. Could, and then I, <laughs> oh, and I'd be like, uh, seven minutes. It, yeah. was se- it, it, yeah. it took you seven minutes to switch right. the shit crowd yeah. in, into now this monster crowd. And now, and then I would do, and then yeah. I would, I would mix in the new, sh- new shit, yeah. Yeah. that we were gonna do for the show. In, in between all doing that, I was still trying to, you know, create a monologue for Mind and Right. With, with new shit, do you always yeah. try to? Uh, are you a, an advocate of not doing it? I mean, sure. At this point, since you're just so uh, polished, like, do, would you? Do it to open a show, like in a uh, theater tour. Would you open, if something happened yes. like... You did that all the time. Hours before. I do it all the time. Would you, yeah. do, you would do 10, 15 minutes of just stuff that I, I never didn't know. I, look, I didn't know how rare this was. I, I really didn't. Uh, my ability to write without without worrying about how's it going to do or... I mean... You listen, just have a very articulate, you see exactly no, what you want No, it's math for me. Uh, for me, it's an equation. I, I Every joke has an equation to it. If you're going to tell this kind of joke, then you you just, uh, for me, I just put attitudes, feelings, emotions, writing, words, all together, and everyone has an equation. So you can tell a certain joke a certain way, but it won't be funny in another way. And so it's it's all about the rhythm within the context of putting all that equation together. So once I know what the equation is, it's simple. I'm uh, Listen, He's seen it. He's literally seen. 
I've literally been in a car listening to talk radio, right, with Brad. Mm-hmm. And something happens, and I said, uh, that's going to be funny tonight. And Brad's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. That story right now that you just heard. It was that a story. commercial for writing. <laughs> it's going to be funny. Yeah. And yeah. Brad like, I, I, I okay. Remember, I, I remember one time it was uh, you were listening to Dennis Prager. And uh, yeah, you, I so talk radio. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a talk conservative radio talk radio. Oh, An old Jewish conservative guy, nice. right? Yeah, and uh, we were dri- we were driving the comedy store, and I forget exactly what he said, but he said something, and and you just kind of kind of kind of did one of those like, <laughs> yeah, this I'm I'm going to talk about this tonight, and you don't write it down, you just start like I mean you're writing in your head obviously as right here always okay, yeah. but I remember all that stuff. Did you ever were you always some notepad Never. or computer? Never. Never. What the fuck? Never. <laughs> no set, no, like, first time I headlined, I, I typed up the set list and put it on the stage in front of me because I was like, you know, that, hinder, though, that hinders my process. Of course. To this day, though, I st- I'm having the notepad or anything. Right. So if you, you, if you have that to look to, you're going to be like, I'm not going to be present. And, and no, the, the, the reason why that does it for me is because, uh, it, it, as you know, every audience, when they get together, for some reason, get a, one personality. I don't know what this is. There's, there's, I cannot explain. Well, the audience collectively just decides this is who we are tonight. But you know this. Yeah. I mean, that's why you can tell yeah, a joke course. tonight and it'll kill. And then the ne- next night you tell it exactly the same to a completely different audience and they don't laugh. Yeah. Hmm. It, it's not. It's, it's, it's just I don't know what happens when people get together, but their energy becomes synergistic and they become one. So I treat that audience like an individual that I've never met. And so I don't know you. So I'm going to learn how to talk to you while I'm that's, doing my act. Yeah, that's exactly and what so it is. every single show I begin to to begin to grasp uh, where they're coming from, why they're doing it. Like the, the moments that he's talking about at the comedy store, they were easy for me because here were people that paid to see a show that didn't care that it was empty. And then they kind of got shit on by a bunch of comics that said, yo, look at this motherfucking crowd, blah, blah, blah. And I just went up there basically and told them the truth. Like, look, you're here. I'm here. It, if you don't laugh, you're the one that didn't laugh. It, it, it doesn't matter to us. Yeah. And I have more people in my family. They're in this fucking room right now. I have 11 sisters and six brothers. That's 18. There's 15. <laughs> I'm going to give you a, a, a great show, but you got to be there for me, too. And if you're there for me, I'll be there for you. And then they'd be like, yeah, well, fuck it. That's what we're here for. And then that energy would come up. And then it would just be like, boom, 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 boom. And then, you know, I, I, would, do, I would do that all the time, though. It wasn't with just him. I'd do it with Albert all yeah. the time to go to the comedy store when how many people had bombed in a row or not had great yeah. sets way back in the day. And pro- probably, probably didn't... Uh, didn't didn't do well for public relations on my behalf, <laughs> but I you know what I, I I never looked at it like I I never was trying to put other comics down. I was never trying to shit on any other comic, other than the fact that I wanted to go on stage and and reward these people for being there. Well, and and, and I mean that's all I cared about. Yeah, that's that, all I ever cared about. And that's something that I I, I think when. Uh, Comic when comics say they don't like you, I I I think a lot of them are projecting their thoughts onto your actions. Being that like the things that you did, they say like, well, if I acted that way, right. th- this is why I would have acted that right. way. Whereas right. they they don't see it from from the the perspective of a guy who's like, I'm going on stage, I'm going to do the set that I need to do to make me a better comedian for my paying audiences, and then I'm going to get the fuck out. 
Yeah, and then I, and and then I'm just driving away. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, they're like, out. why does he want to stick around and let us like uh, talk shit while he's standing over there, or or engage in shit talking with us? I mean, it's or pick my brain at that point because right. you know maybe they maybe I could have helped them out, but at the on the other on the other side of that, I was already helping out Steve and Brad yeah. and Christella and all these guys. So I, I was kind. I didn't have I didn't have it in me, you know, to to to. To do that at the time. It really is crazy. I, I want to comment on something you said about like getting to know a crowd, like getting to know how to talk to them. And it's like, it just made me think how incredible it is, uh, how amazing we all are right now. <laughs> but just because it's not like people come in and fill out a questionnaire like, this is what offends me. And we don't get that before we go up and go, all right, I can, can't do Jew jokes tonight. Uh, I can do a couple political things. But it's so like the figuring out how to talk to, and you can't ever, I mean, and you're just doing that based on, uh, everything that you you know your point of view to then but it's also listening to like feeling the vibe like i can't tell you how many times i mean back when i was really really growing as a comic but but i i kind of knew what i was doing i would walk into the comedy store with albert you worked there by the way yeah then i worked there i was a doorman for i was a doorman at night and i was like a go for a runner during the day for like four years who was there while you were working there real quick uh, like who, who were the people that everyone was, you know, that you would like try to leave the door for a minute to pop in and, and watch? Oh, everybody. Yeah. Everybody. I, you know what? I, I can, I can literally tell you that every single comic I ever saw from, you know, Charles Corzar, Jackson Purdue to, you know, Steve Greenlee, guys that you never even heard of. Um, they all influenced me in some way, shape or form. I think the only difference in my opinion between any comic I've ever seen that has made it or hasn't made it or whatever is consistency. That's it. I don't know one comic I ever saw that didn't have a great joke you or just, didn't at one point write some amazing shit. Consistency in terms of just being going on stage all the time? Or? No, consistency of getting huge laughs with every single joke, with every single crowd, except for uh, George Wallace and A.J. Jamal. Those two guys, <laughs> I have Jamal. never seen them Fuck. ever have a, have a bad set. Wow. Ever. And, yeah. and ironically... They don't cuss, hmm. but they just had this. AJ was all positive energy. It was just this overflowing effervescence of light and happiness, and just I mean, he was like the Tony Robbins of comedy. Oh, shit. I swear to God, he literally so he just went like, on stage watch him and be like, "I could walk across coals right yeah. now." Right? <laughs> like I envy those guys because I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can get from point A to point D or Z like they can. But I can't do it like them. I mean, that, like, AJ would literally just go up and say, how you doing? And everybody was like, oh, shit, yeah, here's a happy black guy that doesn't cuss. I like it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I had to work at it. I had to, you know. So you're I saying had he was super likable. Were you not super likable when you got on stage? You feel like you had to earn people's. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I was likable, but not in that way. Yeah. I was likable in the sense that I could get away with saying some fucking just unbelievable shit. Like, I remember... But not out of the gate, yeah? You had to get them on your side, obviously. Yeah, but, like, I remember one time I was at the comedy store, and I had this bit because uh, there was a mall in Torrance where there was a black Santa Claus that got hired. Oh, this was before the internet. So he got hired over a fax. So he sent the fax in <laughs> saying, I've been Santa Claus this many times. They checked his references. References cleared. Mm-hmm. He shows up, and he's black. And they, they fired him because they're like, there is no black Santa Claus. Wow. So I went on stage and this was mid 90s. So I went on stage and I was like, first of all, 
Santa Claus is a mythical fucking figure that nobody's seen. <laughs> so you, I know that they paint him as white, but you really don't fucking know what color the guy is. Right. Nobody's ever really fucking seen him. Yeah. And then I just went on this, like, it was pretty simple, but, it, you know, back in the day, you got to put in a context that this was 20 years ago. And I said, I think Santa Claus is black. You know what I mean? He breaks into your house. You don't know what he is. <laughs> and I just did. And it, it was a black crowd. And they are dying. They're dying. And I remember I got off stage standing ovation. And the next comic who was black literally just went on stage and said, fuck you niggas. Fuck you, motherfuckers, letting that spick do nigga jokes. And man, fuck you, motherfuckers. Fuck that. And I was just like, holy shit. Whoa, holy and you were like, shit. hey, read a runner, take it easy. And I just, you know what I mean? And I, I didn't understand that because yeah. I, I, I would never feel that way if a black comic went up stage and did a Latino crowd and started doing jokes about, you know, welfare and whatever mm-hmm. it was. I just didn't understand. Like, where that was coming from. Was that from. kind of your first taste of seeing, like, oh, wow, this guy. No. <laughs> but my problem was I didn't pay attention to it. Hmm. Do you, you think, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't look at it like it. I just went like, oh, he's, he's going to make fun of me. Don't give a shit. And why should out. you pay attention to it? Uh, you, I should have because I could have. I, I, sh- I should have. Well, I, I didn't have the wherewithal. Looking back, there's no other way I could have achieved all the things that I've achieved if I didn't operate the way I did operate. But I, I wish I could uh, talk to these guys after the show and be like, hey, bro, sure. why are you mm-hmm. mad at me, dude? But you were just like, you know I'm going to get out of here after my set. So you yeah. think you, some of your... Um, I alienated a lot of comics by not befriending them, not hanging out, not, you know, and... And, and, and it wasn't because it was because you, uh, so that thing happened early on with the guy saying like, oh, right. you guys might have beef. Right. And you were just like, well, I'm going to come here and treat this like a job and right. do my thing and get out of here and go to the next spot. And people took that as, oh, this guy is not social. He And also people take that if you don't want to be around, especially to a place like the comedy store that's very fraternal that it's like oh you don't want to you just want to come in and get out of here so you're too good to like like stand in the hallway and like that's what i felt you know i am i'm sure some 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 of the other comics will say it's different or whatnot but that's that's what i felt and uh another thing is i never asked for utter loyalty from the guys that opened up for me right you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i never asked those guys to uh like as an example, Brad has called me up more than once and said, hey, man, so-and-so asked me to do a podcast or so-and-so asked me to do a radio show or so-and-so asked me to do a TV thing. And and I was like, dude, before you even bring that shit up, do whatever the fuck you need to do to get, to, to get more asses and seats and make your career great. I don't care. You know what I mean? I don't care who you work with or, you know, if they don't like me or like me or whatever. That God, I don't care. I never did. But that cost me as well because, you know, when I had people uh, saying negative things about me, I didn't have a support group. So it probably also looked like even the guys at Open Forum don't want to like sure. defend him, so right. to speak. Wow. But I, but I, but I didn't want to put these guys in that position yeah. as well. I mean, why would I want Brad or or any of those guys at Open for me to to lose a gig or to get into an altercation, even if verbal or even just be in bad standing with somebody that could give them yeah. a night's work here or there, yeah. you know, just for me, it's like, why? I don't give a shit. I don't care. Yeah. You know and, I mean? and, and, and I would and I would call you up just because it's like uh, 
especially once I started going off and headlining on the road. I mean, and people ask me all the time, like, hey, right. do you still talk to Mencia? It's like, right. yes, I do, because he's my friend. Right. And so I never want to lose you as a friend. Right. So, and that's why to this day, you still get calls from me yeah. and texts from me when I do something. Like, right. so, like something happens, I go, hey, yeah. just got an hour special on Showtime. Thank yeah. you, Ned. Yeah. And because I, I know that... Uh, a lot of what I've done wouldn't wouldn't have happened without you, or just would have taken a lot longer. Right. <laughs> I mean, if, if if not for those nights of uh, bombing after Joe Coy, coming back on the bus and having you, I will always remember this: <laughs> playing the song "Fix You" by Coldplay. <laughs> and when you try your best, but you don't succeed. No, but that wasn't the best, bro. And you were lip syncing. The best is that. where was I, bro? That's oh, the Paul, best. Oh, the Paul, the Paul Thorne song. The Paul Thorne song. Oh my god, that is I the think- greatest. I have it. I have it, brother. No, I think I had. I, I, I think I have it on my iPod. Uh, six fifty-six. Yeah, fifty-six. So, like, uh, there. This was a time when I found out that the current girl that I was dating, uh, who he at the time, that was like his young, his young love, first love. <laughs> probably at one point thought he might marry her. Yep. Oh, shit. I mean, it was that like deep. Your Mrs. Brad. And uh, <laughs> he. Uh, how was how. Dude, we just, I, I swear to God, I just walk walk into the bus after the show, and he's sitting in the middle bunk. Depressed. Depressed. His little <laughs> legs dangling. <laughs> like, Even so sadder. The, the bunk is literally about, I don't know, two and a half to three feet. And so, you know, yeah. his feet are like two and a half feet. Yeah. Looks like a sad air, kid who was waiting just to turn like for a the little seesaw. Sad kid. Yeah. <laughs> so I asked him, I was like, you know, what, what happened? And uh, yeah, the, the, he was basically like, dude, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, we were in love and and and, oh and we broke up. And I'm like, so why are you sad? I mean, you know, you, you broke up and you were kind of okay with it. And he's like, but dude, a day after we break up, she's like on her Facebook or my, it was MySpace. MySpace I think, back, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. It's like she's on her MySpace page with this other dude and. <laughs> I don't know what happened, man. Well, like, what happened? And Paul Thorne sang this song. It was like, where was I? Oh, you got it? <laughs> that one? Yeah, this is the sad. This, ne- never listen to this song after a breakup. Oh, God. You will, <laughs> and with any sort of sharp ar- uh, objects or anything <laughs> near you. It's just awful. Black and white TV back in grammar school. If you both start crying right now. <laughs> I was watching Neil Armstrong walking on the moon. Wow. Yep. That's since I pretended I was an astronaut on the playground monkey bars. I flew above the stars. Yeah. See, they can swap. This is your guys' I Will Remember You by Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, the night like, John Lennon died. They could also but this play is a really cool song. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. awesome. DJ played Imagine and everybody cried. It's a sick guitar, right? Yeah. thousand lighters held up in our hands. Oh, we were saying. Just so the viewers know, they're holding hands right now. Let's give peace. <laughs> this a line, chance. this line but right this here. This was what made him cry. Where was I when you stopped loving me? <laughs> when did I become history? There's not many things that escape my memory. And now your hands are on the window Tell watching me you walk away. Tell me where was 
when you stopped loving me. So, <laughs> and you're patting him on the back as the bus no, is No, dude, away. I'm not even next to him, bro. I'm like, so he has a bunk that is next to the back, which is the back is this suite, quote unquote, in a bus. Sure. And so it's just as loud as I can. And, and this was a, it was a really awesome stereo system. So really loud. I mean, all night, bro. <laughs> All night, repeat every day on repeat. On repeat, Where you know that's the worst I way to get over it. You stop loving me, and then and then you just hear me from my bunk go, oh, "Where was I? I don't know." <laughs> yeah, no. Was, what, 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 was I in Omaha? Was I in Bismarck, North Dakota? Where oh was I? No, that was the best. What people don't understand is me making him face it that way. It was the best, it, it, dude. It took it took him a weekend of that song and us making fun of him. For him to like get over that shit. Hell yeah. Yeah. Because it was just so in his face relentless and, and we weren't gonna we weren't gonna baby him and he's like, dude, we've all been here. <laughs> mm-hmm. You really think you're alone? Like all of us have yeah. I mean, this song it affects me. It just doesn't hurt me because it was back in the day, but we all have our where was I? Sure. Every, every, everyone does. Right. And so we just relentlessly, relentlessly <laughs> and every time he was sad. We just would put, where was I? <laughs> and then he would just start laughing. And, Dude, that's and it, so it, it took a week crucial. and it was gone. Yeah. Get, I mean, that's like, that's yeah. why the road is so fucking great, too. Because, I, I mean, I'm curious if, was it all therapeutic um, uh, adventures on the road? Or was there some craziness? Or was it just like? Well, there's one story that I won't mind telling. Uh, th- 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 this was in Cleveland. And, I remember. Okay. So you, there, there was this girl that was just like. I, I was either on stage or I was working or, or I was doing something and I was away from the group. While this happened, this girl, I, I, I won't say who, but um, uh, had some fun with one of the members of our group. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then I think actually another member of the group too, like two. Yeah. Yeah. And then I come backstage. So she was a groupie. Yeah, she's a groupie. And uh, yeah, she had blown like two members of <laughs> of of the group. So then I right. come backstage and I and I meet her, and I, I'm meeting her for the first time. I don't know what's been happening. So I'm like hanging out. And I'm talking and she's being interested. I'm like, oh man, this is really gonna go and somewhere. We're like, Brad, take her to the back. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy who the guy who she blew was like, you know what? You know what you guys should do right now? You guys should make out. Like, right now in front oh, of all no. of us. Like, hardcore. You guys should just make out. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm a man. I'll make out. So I just, like, start making out with this girl. And, and I knew something was up when I started making out. And the, the, the collective sound of the group was, oh! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, had, it was bad. Because she had just blown two guys oh, in our group. Like the sec- How hard did you scrub before. your face? Oh, my God. Not enough scope in the world, my friend. <laughs> Not enough. I bathed in that shit for yeah. like 10 days. It was, it, it was, there were moments like that. There were yeah. moments. I, I mean, it, it's the road. it was fun to watch these guys because yeah. these I live vicariously through them. You know what I mean? They were doing all the craziness, and you know I had all the pressure of being funny and and kicking ass and you know doing all that stuff. So it was a different. It was a different time, man. Has has your material? I'm uh, envious at how much you talk uh, about uh, uh, current events and political stuff and your family because yeah. I'm still. The family stuff, I think, is the closest for me to start. Um, uh, yeah, we're good. I said maybe like 10 more. Okay, cool. give it for like 10 more minutes? Okay. Awesome. Cool. Uh, what Were you always just from, did you have somebody from the get-go say, like, talk about this or with your it, family? It took or was me it, a while, dude. Yeah. It took me a while to become a, a decent writer. You know, at first it was, 
I'd never done stand-up, and I never thought about doing stand-up. So there were a lot of comics that I remember saying, man, I wanted to do comedy when I was 16. Well, I wanted to do, start doing comedy when I was 20. Mm. I discovered comedy when I was 20, and I started doing comedy when I was 20. So my formative years as a stand-up for the first, I don't know, three or four were pretty much very simple premises with really a lot of attitude and performance to it. Um, there were like, I look back at, at, at a lot of that stuff and I go, wow, that that's an interesting premise. I would have done it completely different now than I did then. But you know, I, I look at it and I go, wow, there I am. I see myself. You know what I mean? I go, Oh, there I am in that joke. All right, cool. Then I'll tell another joke and I'll be like, Oh, there I am. So I, I see myself, right. but it's a completely different version of, of who I became. But once I learned, once I formatted my brain to take in information a specific way and spit it out a specific way, it's 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 easy. Yeah, so you feel like your, your, point, your point of view basically is what you're talking about. You it's feel just like, easy. And did you, that come pretty, I mean, did you have odd jobs that helped you like be just you know, in? Once I started doing stand-up, I quit going to school, I quit my job, and I job? just started working. I was uh, working at Farmers Insurance. All right. And I was going to school full-time, electrical engineering. That was it. I, I just started doing stand-up. There was nothing else. And uh, So you, you, you yeah. in your mind, was you it? were like, all right, insurance, engineering. You, at one point, were just... Or, well, or, the you know, I worked at Farmers to pay for school. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I yeah. I wanted to be at Farmers Insurance. It just happened to be a job that I came across. And it, it worked because I worked from 7 in the morning to 3. Then from 5 to 10, I went to school every night. So it but was to, easy. But to quickly just find stand-up and then just drop and go to that? I mean, was there something in you that was like, all right, I'm waiting for something to take me away from no. this? No, I just I discovered my passion, man. I discovered my calling. I I knew that this is what I was meant to do, and it just it took me about like I said about four four or five years to begin to start writing decent. It took me ten years to really go. Okay, I can I can I can nail this stuff whenever I want to, like however it is. My problem, believe it or not, uh, is that I do so much stuff about current events that if I don't do a special every year, I was just gonna say, yeah. mm-hmm. it goes away. It just goes away. Because it, it, it's going to be replaced anyway by It'll be replaced else. and it'll sound dated. Mm-hmm. Like I have this really, I mean, I don't say this about my bits and he'll tell you, I never talk about my bits being like, but I have this one bit that I wish when it happened, I would have put it on the air because I I I haven't been as proud of a bit as oh, that one. It's it's a bit about Donald Sterling, and um, interestingly enough, you know when that whole stuff came out, I wrote that bit. Like I literally wrote that bit one week after the entire Donald Sterling stuff came out, and it was born when I've met a lot of racist people. Sure, mm-hmm. not a shitload, but enough, and they always always say the n word a lot. It's just racist love saying that shit. Now so, every flavor of person or all old white men? <laughs> it doesn't matter. They yeah. just love saying that word, whether they're Latino and racist, yeah, whether crazy. they're white and racist, whether they're black and racist, you know, or self-hate, whatever that would be called. They just love saying that word. And so the first time I heard Donald Sterling say that, I was like, uh, D- Donald Sterling not say that, I went, is this so racist or is this just an old fucking ignorant guy? Like, to me, there's a difference. You know what I mean? There's a big difference between an ignorant fuck and a racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I went, this guy strikes me as an ignorant fuck, not mm-hmm. as some dude who who hates 
blacks. So I told my friend this because we're having this discussion. And my friend goes, well, why don't you even think he's racist? I go, well, first of all, he's made more black men millionaires than everybody we know put together. That's a fact. And he goes, well, he had to hire blacks, right? Because he's an owner of a basketball team. And I said, it's the Clippers. <laughs> he could have had all whites and sucked just as bad as they said. Might have even been, might have even been a better fucking team yeah, yeah, than the yeah. shit they put out before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I right. mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Every every great black player they've ever had, they fucking lost back back in the day. I yeah. mean, these past two years, notwithstanding, which by the way, they still haven't won any fucking championships. He could have put a white team and not won championships yeah. and still been in the exact same place he is today. Mm-hmm. So. I thought to myself, and I told my friend this, I go, fuck, I wish I had a time machine, bro. I wish I had a time machine so we could go back in time and bring a black guy from the 1700s <laughs> and tell him that dude Donald Sterling is a racist and him ask us why and when we tell him, <laughs> him to judge. So it's this bit of this black guy going, oh, he treats his niggas like shit. Well, fucking, he doesn't own any black. He don't own no niggas. <laughs> no, he racist. Yeah. He, but he don't own no niggas. No, he pays them. He pays. <laughs> you know what I mean? Millions. He pays niggas. Man. You know? Do we tell niggas what to do? No, he don't tell them what to do. He hires a coach. The coach is actually black. <gasps> niggas be telling niggas what to do. You know what I mean? And it's just like, do he hang out with niggas? Hang out? He fucks one. He fucks. <laughs> yeah, she's half black and half Mexican. What the fuck? Half what? You know, half Mexican. He's like, what's that? Oh, Mexicans are like the new niggas. Y'all got new niggas. <laughs> Yeah, because the old ones quit. Niggas quit. Yeah, what do we, you know, what do niggas do in the future? Oh, look at the president. Oh, shit. You know, to him, it was just this buildup oh, of this shit, great right. fucking bit. And and uh, so, I, I, you know, I, I, the, the irony of all my stuff is ever since 1994, I have every joke that I've ever written the day I wrote it. Because you record every because show. Because I record every show. So, yeah. like... I, I could tell you what day I wrote that joke, and it'll be literally one week after the Donald Sterling stuff. It was on stage oh, in this shit. form already. Mm-hmm. In that form? In that form already. Because it just, like, they're literally, like, the, he'll, he'll tell you, God. the essence of the joke is always there for me. It's the tags and the little things that change around nuances, But But yeah. the actual premise itself is just always boom. You just know what forms I mean? in your brain super quick. Yeah, it, it's how to present it that gets, you know, yep, like really... Not tricky, but it's the part. What percentage do you think of stand-up is, uh, I mean, uh, delivery Different versus, for everybody. Yeah, for sure. And, and Different for every single person. What you, what, what you told me is it, is it took you 10 years to build the Carlos Mencia joke machine. Right. To where 10 years of doing stand-up, you're, you're just figuring out the parts, figuring out the components. And then now you can drop a topic, i.e. Doesn't don, matter. Yeah, Sterling. Whatever's going on in the news, Doesn't matter. you you drop it into the Carlos Mencia joke machine, and out right. pops a Carlos right. Mencia joke. Yeah. and now you know how that machine works. Right. So it, it, it's just <laughs> understanding what your machine is, how how what your perspective is, and how your take is going to be on uh, on that premise. Yeah, whatever that premise is, it's just mm-hmm. it's that simple. You know what I mean? What like a-, like a buddy of mine asked me recently, what side I'm on uh, on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, and I immediately went, okay, you know what? There's a joke because, first of all, why why are we fighting over supposed gods? Which, mm-hmm. in my opinion, if your god needs your help to accomplish it, you 
must have a punk ass weak God <laughs> because my God is the shit. My God doesn't need me for anything. Yeah. My God has never asked me for anything. My God has never said like, "Hey, go kill somebody." You, you busy? What the fuck you got to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why do I? I gotta get a visa. I gotta get a passport. I gotta fly. I gotta make money, dude. Those are breadcrumbs. I've seen CSI. They're gonna catch me, dude. <laughs> your God, you could just be like heart attack. Boom, done. Like, do your thing. You yeah. know what I mean? So then I'm like, okay, why don't they fight it out? Why don't all the gods fight it out? You know what I mean? And so there, I know that that's going to be funny. So then here's where it gets tricky. How many gods am I going to have fight? Right? There's the top four, right? Which is Allah, Buddha, you know, Christ, the God, the the God of Jehovah, which is kind (laughs) of Oprah. You know what I mean? And then do I want to put, all right, there's 2,000 Hindu gods. So, okay, I got to figure that one out. And then do I want to... Do I want to put, you know, the Scientology stuff in there or not? Mm-hmm. So I, I go with the top five. So then in my head, I go automatically, who's going to win that fight? All right, it's obviously got to be Shiva, right? The blue god of the Hindu order who has eight fucking arms. If he loses a fight, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, who the fuck? He's got eight fucking I arms for Christ's sake. my first three arms. Right? Yeah, he's, yeah. The, he's the boss from the original Mortal Kombat game. You Except know, the, yeah, he, he, only had, he only had four. Oh, shit. So right, this eight. dude has eight. So he could block with four, punch with two, jerk off with one, and play with his butt. <laughs> like, he literally can do, like, yeah, literally. That's the ultimate arms. thing. If you're right. getting your ass kicked by a guy who's right. also fingering his own ass. <laughs> and jerking off. And jerking off. So, okay, so now I work backwards. So, okay, so well, I'm a Christian. Of, of course. Christ had turned the other cheek. So he's not winning any fucking fights. <laughs> right. The right. dude's in sandals, yeah. for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be like, what happened, Jesus? He's going to be like, dude, he hit me, I turned the other cheek, he knocked me the fuck out. All yeah, right, yeah. so there's there's a loser automatically. <laughs> now, Buddha's overweight. Okay, there's a joke. Now, how do I make that funny? Do I say he's an overweight guy? Who's not gonna do I do an impression of him saying holy shit? Right. And so my I was on stage and I went, I'm gonna do an impression of him. So I'm telling I'm doing the I'm doing the Jesus bit while I'm thinking of what's Buddha gonna say. So then I get to Buddha and Buddha. So then it just became, oh, holy sh- I did not realize how fucking out of shape I am. <laughs> holy shit, today's cookies would not have no fortune. <laughs> All right, so I know that's going to kill. And yeah, then, you know right. what I mean? And then yeah. so it, it's built like that. But it is literally built. Uh, I just think of the shell when I'm off stage. Right, I think of the shell, and then when I'm on stage, I add all the salt, the pepper. The, you know, I'm that guy that while I'm cooking, you know what I mean? I'm... I'm I'm to comedy in my head the way I operate. What chopped is a TV version nice. of cooks. I'm that. Yeah. You tell me what the fuck I got to I got, and then I'll cook you some shit. And that's every single night is exactly that. Today's and secret ingredient is Mexican impressions. Exactly. <laughs> you sleep, yeah. Yeah. You're like, exactly. I got that. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> I'll make you a breakfast burrito. Right. So you know. So then I go. Okay, I got to do an impression of a, Chi- of a of a Japanese guy, even though he's kind of Chinese. He's kind of Japanese, yeah. but I don't want to go both. So yeah. I can't go you. I but so, but I got a little bit. A so little you bit. kind of rasp in the middle. And 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 that's kind of how it works. But yeah. luckily, I know that Shiva is the blue god. I, you know what I mean. Yeah. So I have enough knowledge. Retention in, in history in, in in America. I was going to ask because yeah, you're that's very important. You're thirsty without for knowledge it. You can't. And, yeah, you can't. I mean, can't. I, do you feel like you can't be even a good comic without knowing, without sure. just being? I mean, obviously we're all sure observational and we're lear, you know learning you about can. the world. But like, I mean, do you need to read the news? Do you need to be up to date and current Look, with everything? The genius of comedy is this, and this is my opinion. I think that a lot of comics, especially the younger generation of comics think that writing a joke that is so smart is brilliant 
And to me, that's not the genius of comedy. The genius of comedy is to take something that is brilliant, that the majority of people wouldn't understand, and simplifying it just enough so that the average person can actually savor what it is that you're talking about. Because it's, if you're a really, really funny guy and you just do your act and that's the thing that you do and you allow people to gravitate toward you, then, then that's cool. That's, that's the choice that you make. M- me, is I'm different. You know, this weekend I was in uh, Mississippi and uh, my opening act, Cisco, looks out into the audience and we got a sold out show in, at, at this theater and it's a, it's a nice big size venue. But literally, uh, it was uh, fathers of, of late 40s, early 50s, bringing their recently 21 to 23-year-old kids <laughs> to see me perform. Because back, big age range. back when they grew up listening to me, but mm-hmm. their kids watched me when they were really young on my Mencia. Yeah. Wow. So bringing those generations together, you know what I mean? In the South, in Mississippi, which is like a different place. Yeah. And so I got off stage the first show and I was like, by the way, was I fucking twanging or something when I was up there? <laughs> and Cisco was like, yeah, dude, you, you sounded like you're from here. Kinda. You sounded like you grew up here and then left and then learned how to speak the way the way normal people in America do and then came back and just gave them enough twang to let them know, like, you're from here. I didn't do it on purpose, by the way. Your Chinese Buddha was chewing tobacco and yeah. spitting out of a straw? Exactly. And so he was just like, wow. And I was blown away because I was like, I forgot that I do that. I forgot that I make people feel really, really comfortable when I'm on stage. And some people do Whatever that when they have is. a conversation because they Correct. pick up on the notes that the other person is saying when they're talking. You did it all on your own. You did it like, I'm just going to go up on stage and... Except... The laughs, maybe? No, I did exactly what you said. Remember earlier that I said... I remember earlier I said, I treat audiences like they're individuals. Mm -hmm. So when you say it's like you're talking to an individual, that's exactly it. And I was talking to an individual, majority people from the South, who kind of understood that. And so Mm -hmm. it kind of went to that place. The jokes never changed the premises. Uh, I might be a little more aggressive or less aggressive. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, less profanity, more profanity, whatever yeah. that is. But the essence of uh, whatever, the, whatever the thing I'm making fun of is, that always remains the same. And I never back off on that. I feel like it's got to be a little overwhelming being you because I think you're so uh, genuinely like curious and engaged by – like just even with conversation, I feel like like the way you're saying that you something hits you and goes, oh, that's a bit – yeah, I mean, maybe you just like are so have such a relaxed mind that you just. But I feel like everything that's happening around you, you probably could be writing a bit about, and like, doesn't that ever like, or does it, it just happen? No, but it's, that's, it's the, the, but that's the best, right? Or is it's it just, the best and it's the worst because it's never off. Do you so? Uh, and to that point, can you like be at like a friend's barbecue and not be thinking like if he does something funny, you're like, oh, that's a joke, or can you like do no. you hold yourself back from being present and just like, man, nope. you know, I'm gonna turn my comedy brain off nope. today. Yeah, can't. <laughs> Can't. The only time it can turn off is if I'm playing a video game where I'm s- just completely immersed into it. Yeah. Yeah. When I veg out and watch television, you know, I, yeah. can, I can because I know like I, I like watching uh, dramas because I know where it's going. Franklin and Bash. <laughs> uh, you know what? Like I watch Franklin and Bash, but they try to be funny. And once you try to be funny, yeah. it's really takes the stakes away. It's really difficult. Yeah. Because then I see the jokes coming, 
And right. once that happens, like I'm able to watch young comics and turn that part off. Yeah. But once, once I hear something and I go, ah, oh, why didn't? How could you just say that and not add all these things to it? Oh man, it's done. Mm-hmm. You have to I, can't, I can't. I can't. I can't. I have to. That's At what, that moment, that's it's me with just Brad all too simplistic. Yeah. <laughs> because it's easy. It's so predictable. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's it gets to that point. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be there with Brad in five years if he's still doing midget jokes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. not not a, not in a bad way, but. I would just. I think you have to be because more. there's new scenarios and that you're constantly getting introduced to in life. That sure. right? That are yeah. I mean, and and here's the thing that you always told me, which I I will always remember when I was kind of getting frustrated because I, I I was getting some heat from some from some other comics tell 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 me like oh you're only funny because you're a midget you know if you should go on stage and not tell any midget jokes don't even mention it blah 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 and you and you said Brad that's stupid because. You are a little person. That's who you are. Everything that you see in the world is through the filter of a little person. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's impossible for you yeah. not to have the perspective of a little person right. because that is who you are. That's like telling everyone else just to turn off every filter that they have as a human being. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know how to not write a joke that has like that doesn't have dwarf perspective because that's the only perspective I know. And that's the only perspective you'll ever know. If yeah. you don't host a like a nightline type show called Dwarf Perspective <laughs> in the next five years, I'm going to be really upset. Well, because, well, and remember, we did that bit on Mind of Mencia. I, I think it got cut where it was like, and now the little people, pers- and now the little people perspective. Yeah. Say that right times. Yeah, it was so hard to do. And it now was. the little people perspective with Brad, with, with Brad Williams. And I say something really fast and they go, farts suck. And that was the little people perspective with Brad Williams. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, the, the reason why That's I didn't great... get on was because by the time oh. we came up with the bit, yeah. We had already done so many little people jokes sure. that it was almost like sure. it, 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 it got to the point where I had to tell writers, dude, we, we, we can't do a little people yeah. joke. If you want Brad in it for a different reason, that's cool. Yeah. But we it can't like I mean, I remember when we did a uh, God, I was thinking about this the other day when we did a uh, deaf poetry slam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, everybody we came out slam. and, and my, my favorite one was the letter V. That that was that, fucking yeah, that was, genius. That was bro. that was your brother Joseph. Yeah, the br- yeah. Who cannot pronounce the letter V. <laughs> he cannot do it for what? the life of him. He says B. <laughs> so we, we, we did a poem where he said, Damn you letter B because he can't say V and then what? He Why? I, I, cannot, I, I cannot describe my my, 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 my friend Victor who drives a bulbo. <laughs> <laughs> it was like and then I couldn't say video, and then they got rid of videos, and I was so happy. But then they replaced them with DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, oh, it's just, it had so much passion behind it. Yeah, and then he comes out, and we, there's a podium right in front of Brad, and he walks right up to the podium, completely disappears, and then you see two little arms kind of come out the sides of the podium, and you just hear. I hate podiums. <laughs> and then he walks off stage. <laughs> it was like, and so we did so uh, many jokes like that. Yeah. that. Those, those to me were funny. They weren't overt. Yeah. They weren't like, you know, yeah, they weren't like, let's say basic. 10 minutes yeah. on this. You right. know, it, 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 it was just something fun. Yeah. And I, I, and I, and I, I know I've already thanked you, but I can't thank you enough for that whole experience. Cause just being, I got, I got in with you. Why did you get the TV show? Right. And you got the TV show, and you're like, well, I have a TV show, and I have a midget in my posse. Obviously, I'm going to put the midget on the TV show. That's, yeah. So. Well, it just worked out that way, yeah. though. It's just like uh, Joseph. Joseph ended up on the TV show because we did this bit 
on, on an illegal alien basically trying to teach Americans how to speak broken English to get jobs because they all have jobs yeah. and the only people that were complaining about not having jobs were Americans. So it was like how to, you know, how to speak English like a wetback so you can get good jobs. Mm-hmm. And we just had a bunch of people come in and read for it. And we couldn't figure it out. And they were like, I don't know what you're looking for. And I said, here's what I'm looking for. And I said, Joseph, come here. And I literally gave him the script. And I go, just read it. And he, and he just read it. And he was just like, listen, if you don't have a job and we're all dying. <laughs> and, and then I never said this. Morty said, the, the, one of the EPs Ro- said, uh, Robert Morton. why doesn't he yes. do it? And yeah. I said, okay. I just didn't want to be the one that brought in my brother to do some shit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of how it was born. And I had a lot of... Um, we put a lot of comedians on that show and tried to help them out. Yeah. I mean, we, we did that with Brian Holtzman just as an angry white guy. That's you know awesome. what I mean? Mm-hmm. There was only one guy I, I didn't put on the show. And I won't say his name because I don't want to create I, – I need no controversy or b- bullshit anymore. Like the one thing that I am very, very prideful of is that you can go online and you can read of dozens if not hundreds of comics saying negative things about me. You won't find one. Of me saying shit about anybody else. That's the one thing I pride myself on. I, I don't want to be that illegal alien that crossed the border because he pointed out that there was a group of fuckers to the left. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure I just am. didn't grow up that way. I grew up in the projects where we fucked with each other and we were mean to each other and we made fun of each other and we beat the shit out of each other. But at the end of the day, we, we had each other's backs. You it's know family. what I mean? Yeah. 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 That dude punched me in the face one time and broke my nose. You know what else he did? He jumped in front of me when they were doing a drive-by, and he, he almost took a bullet from me. You know, that's, so, those, so that's how I grew up, and I just I, I won't go to that place. I never have gone to that place. And uh, so I look, I, I look at all of this stuff, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I've had the career that I had, but I know, and this kind of sucks, but it's cool. I'm cool with it now, that when I die is when a lot of this positive stuff is going to come out. When I when I die, it's when all the young guys and women that I helped become something of of, of a fixture in stand up are gonna say, like, hey, you know what, man, he did this, this, that for me, he did that for me. But until then I, I don't think it's gonna be the case. But that's okay. Because I didn't do it for that. I'm I'm glad to see, you know I'm glad to see that Brad has become a guy who could say no to a six figure job. Right. Because he wants to do a different choice in life. Mm-hmm. You know, when I met Brad his choice was, I don't know if I want to do com- comedy as much because then I can't go to class. And if I don't go to class, my parents aren't going to pay for school. And if they don't pay for school, then what the fuck am I going to do? And yeah. I saw Brad go from there to, I'm quitting, Dad. I- I'm not going to school anymore because there's no point in me getting a degree of some shit that I'm never going to do. And his parents pissed at him, and then him buying the house, and his parents going, "Okay, all right, you proved us wrong. <laughs> okay, you're, okay, you're okay, okay. You're buying a house. You're doing yeah. well. You're do- and your sister's living with you. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> so I, I saw that whole transformation, and I'm 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 proud of the fact that that I did that. And there are a bunch of names that I could throw out there that I don't because it's just not where I come from anymore. Well, it never I, was part of it, right? It never was like that. Never was. Well, Brad uh, is one of my best friends and one of the funniest dudes I know. So Me I personally too. need to thank you for uh, setting him on the path to doing uh, what he I just what accelerated it. That's all I ever did. Because had yeah. he not done that, had we not, we wouldn't have met, we wouldn't have done this podcast, and I would have had uh, fucking uh, porn shoot flashbacks when I pulled up <laughs> about an hour ago. Well, just so you know, I have never, ever, ever, ever uh, 
you know, had existed in that part of his life, believe it or not, as long as I've known Brad. Right, that's well, let's, never let's any this part podcast because I, I guarantee they're still filming. Okay, so, <laughs> bro, just so you know, next door, next door, and the yeah. next door, they're they're dual. Yeah, two blocks away is Immoral Productions. I we know. can head down there right now. Okay, and I think Brittany Amber's doing a scene. Oh, so uh, just just so you that. know, dude, they've asked me to to use this <laughs> to, to use the back to use the green drop back there because uh, right. the green screen because they want to do some crazy what, stuff. What? Because they want to bone in nineteen. 20s London. Yeah, they wanted to, they wanted <laughs> hey, to do does, some green screen so much hostility. <laughs> they did. They did, and uh, and I, I was almost going to let them do it, but then they called me just, Jack the Ripper because my cock rips you alive. Sweet yeah. Jesus, how much is <laughs> that sound <laughs> like? <laughs> oh my God, are you going to stab me with that knife? <laughs> if you want to call it a knife, <laughs> it's a little fatter than a knife. <laughs> Put your Mary Poppins in my Dick Van Dyke. Uh, yeah, exactly. How uh, we could talk to you forever. I really appreciate you doing this. Not a problem, and, man. Uh, this has been really uh, yeah. awesome. And and. Thank you not well, only for what you did for me, but for what you've done for a lot for a lot of comics. No and, shit. And if they say if if they save their thank yous for after you've gone on to this, it'll happen. What do you next think? Life, I think it will. So I'm when saying I die, it, right? You, yeah. When I so die. I, so I'm saying it yeah. on behalf of them now. No, nah, you don't have to, brother. Thank you. No, but I, I mean, you know, like I never did it for that. So it, it's never been a part of my my. But at, at the bottom line is, I, I believe that as a comedian. I've been very, very misunderstood because I think that I heard something the other day in ending this. Uh, there was a woman on entertainment television who, during the red carpet of the Oscars, said that an, an actress who walked up smelled like weed and patchouli oil. Uh, some people got offended, and the next day she apologized. And in her apology, she said, I didn't intend to hurt anybody's feelings, but intent doesn't matter because I did, and I'm sorry. And I'm not of that school. Mm-hmm. So. When I went on stage and comics were bombing and I went up on stage and said, how many minutes? And these guys yelled out five or six or seven. Yeah, part of it was a young guy, you know, feeding an ego. But the biggest part of it was me trying to say to, to the other comics, like, you, you can do this. And remember who we're here for, for them. For these audience, for these 15 people that yeah. don't have to be here, they, they shouldn't be abused. Give them a show. Put it out there. These, this is what we live by. Because a lot of people want to do comedy to do a TV show, but they forget. You still need viewers. Mm-hmm. You still need fans. Yeah. Those fans have That's to follow you to where it is. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And if you don't synergize them, you don't maximize this stuff. There are very, very few comics who have been able to do what Steve Martin did, to, you know, to kill on TV, kill in movies, and kill in appearances. Mm-hmm. A lot of comics kick ass on TV, don't do good road work. Yep. A lot of comics kill it on the road, don't do good TV or movies, you know. And so there's very few guys that have the trajectory of like Kevin Hart right now. And when you get that, you know what I mean? You should understand it's because he was good to his fans on every level, every night, every show, no matter what. He didn't shit on them. He didn't fuck them over. He treated every single show for what it was. The last opportunity for you to go on stage and preach your word, whatever the fuck that is. Whatever your, whatever your view is, whatever your thing is, whatever your angle is. Give it to them to the best of your ability. Every single show, every single night, no matter who's there, who's not, wherever you are. And if you do that, then you're paying respect to your art. But also, 
to the people that are there for you. I've never understood comics that shit on crowds. Oh, they're stupid. Or they're, yeah. they're here. They're yeah. fucking here yeah. to see you. Yeah. With all the other entertainment. Yeah, uh, yeah. With everything. There. With everything yeah. there is. They're here to see you. And one minute it's like, man, fuck this crowd. They suck. And the next minute it's like, man, there's just not enough comedy clubs. You're closing down left and right. Mm-hmm. Well, with your fucking attitude, of course they're going yeah. to close. Who wants like, to, who wants to come to see them. Bad Attitude Night? Yeah. yeah. And it happens way too much. So, so, if, if, so if you want to see a guy that's good, that's going to give you his absolute all. Rather than me do a two-hour show or just fucking kill like it's the last time he's ever going to be on stage. It's Go. either going to be a two-hour yeah. show or an hour and ten-minute show with two hours of material <laughs> sped up into some intense. I mean, if you watch him, that's where he got that speed from. Oh, yeah. yeah. He got the volume and the speed oh, yeah. and that from watching me. That's oh, yeah. why the first he, he is so different off stage. Like in this, even in this podcast, you could tell that when I start talking, I speed up a little bit. There's an amp. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, he's not doing that right now. Yeah, because mm-hmm. but watch him on stage. Oh yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> so know, it's yeah. so like Carlos. I remember. <laughs> yeah. I, as a matter of fact, the last time you went up on stage, Burr was watching you. Going, man, he learned a lot from you, huh, bro? <laughs> yeah. He was he was it was a little dicky, by the way, the way he said it. You know what I mean? It wasn't a full on compliment. It was more like, yeah. oh, I wonder where he got that from. <laughs> but I, I I thought it was awesome. We're all influenced by somebody, as am yeah, I influenced by everybody else. Yep. So it's awesome, man. Yeah. Keep, but everybody out there, keep doing what you're doing. So uh, rock t- on. Yeah, two uh, days. Where can people? I mean, just Carlos. Mencia. Just go to Carlos Mencia. .com or go to uh, Carlos Mencia, uh, wait a minute, Facebook, forward slash Carlos Mencia.com, click on schedule, it's all there. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be in Brea, I don't know, when is this podcast Monday. Aaron? Yeah, next, next Monday. Next Monday, so mm-hmm. next Monday, I think I'm going to be in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, yeah. At Tempe, actually. Oh, oh yeah. So there's the Phoenix uh, stand-up live, I'm going to be at the Improv in Tempe. So nice. be fun. Say so had a Dan Marley for me. I will. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll see him because I don't know where he. I, he owns I a restaurant, I think, nearby the. Uh, oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, I'll go check that out. Called for Marley's. Sure. Yeah. Oh, oh no wow. way. Well, there you go. Awesome. They've, they've got great tacos. <laughs> We're not sponsored by Marley's yet, but every podcast <laughs> we'll, we'll trying to get another NBA out. player restaurant. It'll happen. Awesome, uh, uh, Ned. Thank you so much for doing this. Welcome, man. thanks, buddy. So that's the show. subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast, give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessime Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? 
Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah willow? <laughs> nice. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny. And I love you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.